We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Hi, I'm calling just to find out about an international film. So I want to introduce someone to uh, an international film because that's what I really, really love. So um, would you think Train to Busan would be a good starter? Um, I love zombies. They like zombies, but they're not really big into horror. So I, I thought I would try Train to Busan to get them into it more. So I know a lot of people don't like to read, but I, I think that maybe this might be a good movie. So if you could tell me if, if this is a good movie to start with or recommend a movie, I'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thanks, listener who didn't leave a name. I will call you listener. Um, I, I'm i going to defer this one to Megan and Zena. They, as much as I do like international horror, my barrier to entry is a little bit higher than I think I would recommend to people who don't normally watch it, except maybe I'll steal the host. If if you're, I guess it depends on what you mean by gateway. Like if gateway you mean for a younger audience to get them into international horror, then probably mm. something like One Cut of the Dead, where it's it's more kind of family friendly and it gets you hooked on you know defying expectations. If you are just a complete novice to um, you know international horror, but you are a well versed horror fan and R-rated stuff isn't um, a big deal, then I would I would recommend Wreck because it's so action-paced mm-hmm. that you don't have to worry about subtitles as much as something more dialogue-heavy. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why I always forget Wreck. I don't yeah. know, because it's one of my favorites. It's the best. You know, I think I forget it because I didn't... I saw Quarantine, the American ah. remake mm-hmm. before Wreck. So I think I forget about Wreck because yeah. even the image in my head, it's not Wreck. It's the it's the cover art for Quarantine. I gotcha. Right. So that's probably why, but it's ridiculous, and I should I should delete Quarantine and just remember Wreck. There you go. <laughs> um. Well, I have 
I have one major recommendation and I don't care if this is for someone who's five, if they're 10, if they're 12, <laughs> anybody can watch this movie. And uh, because I feel like it is the perfect balance, the perfect marriage of horror and action. And that's the French zombie movie, The Horde from 2009. I love it. I think that it's amazing. And For a five-year-old? Yep. You'll be all right. <laughs> you'll be just fine. It will make you feel good about yourself. I Let's wish... remember how you two made me feel about watching The Lost Boys <laughs> and understand that answer. See, I was hoping, you know, I mean, obviously we know 2020, but I, was, I have a niece who's six and she likes horror movies. She watches some stuff, you know, and I think that this is the perfect movie for her. So I'm going to see if my sister will, you know, show her a little. She'll be all Are right. Are we thinking of the same one? Is it with like the corrupt cops? And yep, that's back- the one. Ooh. Ooh. That's the one. Zeta will drop you in the deep end. <laughs> you better learn to swim. Happy holidays. Listen- <laughs> Listeners, if you could see the look on Megan's face as Zeta made that recommendation. You know what? You say the swim. first time I've seen you shocked. Yeah. Sink or swim. They'll be all right. I think a lot of them are going to sink. <laughs> Parents, know your children accordingly. But my thing is, you, you said that you want to get them into it. They'll they'll never look away. So They may never return either. They'll be all right, though. They'll have a backbone, a strong backbone. Zena's not, she's not dicking around here. All right, speaking of which, that's actually a good transition, so... We did go on social media today and ask uh, if anyone had recommendations for subjects we should talk about because we had the the one uh, caller question that we could go to and just curious what people said. And Travis Winkler asked on via Twitter, what type of horror scares you the most? Let's start with Xena on this one. It really... scares you the most. I know, I'm... miss. I'm recommending <laughs> horror to a five-year-old. They'll be fine. <laughs> I I really love like psychological horror movies. I find that those are the ones that really gets to me instead of it being like, you know, monsters or like even with the violence, they rely on like the mental and emotional fear. Um, But yeah, I just, I love the fact that, you know, with these psychological horrors, they focus on the characters, like their state of mind, like throughout the the film, regardless of the story. And ones that come to mind, like even with uh, The Last Shift or The Return from 2006, you know, that's a favorite of mine because it's it's all just, you know, psychological. So, but yeah, Mm -hmm. that's, that's for me. That's a very generic answer, but that's, that's my thoughts on that. Good deal. All right, Megan, you. (laughs) um it's kind of i have two so the first one a lot of supernatural stuff i don't even believe in ghosts really but i mean i kind of want to believe and yet those movies tend to scare me more than any other genre um Mm. the other is aquatic horror but not necessarily because there's a lot of aquatic horror or even that most of them are scary i just happen to be super freaked out by things in the water so scenes where people are in water and it's murky and you know there's something in there, I'm on the edge of my seat squealing or mm. yelling at the TV to get out. So, yeah, between my irrational fear of aquatic creatures and ghosts, those those are my two default of I'm, I'm instantly attracted to them because they will probably get under my skin. That's a good balance. <laughs> it is. And I was trying to think, I was trying to buy myself time, which is why I wanted both of you to go first. Because it's it's a 
it's a really interesting question for horror lovers. Yeah. Right? Like because we watch things that inherently are scary. Yeah. And it's subjective. Like it's just levels of right. scary. Yeah. And one thing that scares one person, someone might, you know, one person thinks child's play is terrifying, another person laughs at him. Right. Like, he's a doll, what do you care? Yeah. You know, um, or the arguments over reboots or whatever. Like, for example, my wife and I in college were really into watching horror movies together, like specifically in the theaters. And this was like once the Saw originally came mm-hmm. out and we, we were all kinds of reboots and like we saw like... You know, the uh, I think this was post the ring, but like the grudge we saw in theaters and actually J horror terrifies me. There you go. Like J horror. There's something about Mm -hmm. it. Don't know why. Damn. (laughs) And I wasn't even thinking this until just now. It's probably the movement. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. The very inhuman, unnatural way she moves Mm -hmm. is very creepy. And the sound effects like those. Yeah. 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 It's that. And. Like, I was a teenager when Marilyn Manson started getting popular. So, like, watching his music videos at, like, a very important formative time in my life really embedded some weird shit in my head. <laughs> like, any, like, shaky head stuff, uh, which was so popular yeah. in, like, the late 90s. House, like, on, with, like, Haunted House Hill, on Haunted yeah. Hill. And, and Gothica and stuff like that. Drives me nuts. Can't stand it. That shaky head stuff, I, I hate it so much. <laughs> hate it because it terrifies me. Like, it's just so unsettling to me to watch. J-horror for sure now that I think about it and feel all funny inside and but like in the moment like we watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot yeah with Arlie Ermey and and uh Jessica Biel and that actually terrified my wife and I that we went to an Applebee's afterwards just to be around people (laughs) but you, you know what it was it was that combination of for me that was the first time I'd watched a reboot that really the the realistic aspect of the horror. Yeah. Because especially the portrayal of what Arlie Ermey, like as that corrupt cop, like what he was like that was just so horrible. And then um, Andrew, I think Andrew Brynarski, Brynarski. whatever whoever played, yeah, who played Leatherface, just this big hulking, like the face, like it got to me. Like it doesn't bother me so much anymore, but like in the moment, like stuff like that. But that, and, and I would, Found footage, yeah. specifically found footage paranormal gets yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Like, paranormal activity still gets yeah. me. Yeah, understandable. Like, I know what's happening. I dislike the characters that I'm watching <laughs> largely, at least Micah. <laughs> I had a conversation on Twitter just the other day about paranormal activity with um, the host, one of the co-hosts of Certified Forgotten po- Podcast was talking about how, for him... He is still deeply unnerved by just paranormal activity. The first one with like Katie standing there over mm-hmm. the bed for hours mm-hmm. watching oh. and yep. he gets laughed at for it. And I'm oh. I'm like, okay, I get it. For a lot of people, paranormal slow, but at the same time, right. a lot of it's implied horror, um, you know, the unknown. And how are you not deeply unsettled about somebody right. that's supposed to be your significant other staring at you for mm-hmm. hours unmoving in the middle of the night? Like that's that's unsettling. It's very psychological as well. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the disconnect comes from what kind of a viewer you are. Mm-hmm. Are you a viewer who puts yourself into the situation or are you purely a spectator? Right. Yeah. If you're purely a spectator, it's like, oh, she's, she's standing there. What's supposed to be scary about that? But if you take <laughs> even a split second to think, holy crap, if I woke up and my wife was standing over me, who I've known for almost 20 years, was just staring at me. Yeah. 
yeah, I'd lose it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and it creates, because there's, uh, especially found footage shouldn't have a soundtrack. Doesn't mean it doesn't mm-hmm. all the time, but usually it shouldn't. And that, 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 I know that like, um, like Sinister, they've got like the music sting. Oh yeah. That's a way to like the found footage movies and stuff like that, that like make your heartbeat race because you hear it and that cues it. Right. But without that, your mind doesn't have those indicators that like, oh, something's about to happen. Oh, something's building. Mm -hmm. Like that tension doesn't really go away because you haven't been conditioned to know or feel one way or the other. So it's just kind of there. So then all of a sudden, like you hear a door creak in your basement or something or something settles in the house and it like brings you right back to it. And it's like, yeah, I don't believe in ghosts, but yeah, (laughs) it'll still really unsettle me. Like when I see those Mm -hmm. things. So show of hands though, if anybody's surprised that John chose found footage for horror that scares him the most, (laughs) you are not, you are not put your hand down. But it should, but it shouldn't scare me the most, right? Because it's what I seek out. Unless you just get, I'm just a mask. No, but you—that's what I do. I mean, I, I want. I mean, I, I like all horror, and I'm gonna gravitate mm-hmm. towards all of it. But I really do want to be scared, and so Same. I do seek out the ones that I think are gonna scare me. You know, whether it Same. works or not, I, that's a different story. But yeah. And the joy you get, like when you actually find one that scares you, and you just yes, want to tell it's, everyone, it's a high. Yeah. Yeah, like generally speaking, like I'm not scared by like body horror. Body horror doesn't scare me. It just it just unsettles me. Yeah. Well, that's a Like I don't necessarily want to watch Hellraiser or Raw or something like that. But or, or, or not not because it scares me more that's just like, "Oh, I know what I'm about to watch." <laughs> yeah. And I'll get into that later about like what things you may or may not want to be eating during certain things that you're reading or totally or fair. watching, but We'll get to that like <laughs> later in this. Um, speaking of which, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. You know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hey. Did I see you drinking a Pepsi earlier? <sighs> it's a Coke. Uh-oh. It's about to go down. Look, but it, it has like Santa Claus on it, and I don't feel as bad because it's only 90 calories. Hey, so. Baby Santa. <laughs> if you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope that your week has been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do a quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe they're things that will make you smile, too. Zeno, what's been filling your heart this well, week? Well, I had a really great week because I watched a lot of awesome things. So this is exciting. Yay. Yeah. Uh, the first movie I would love to talk about with you guys. Uh, this movie is called The Dorm. And I watched it on DVD from 2014. There is a movie from Thailand that came out in 2006 with the same title. But this one is a made-for-TV movie. It was actually released on MTV around, like, Halloween back in 2014. And I've always just really dug it. But it's been, like, a while since I checked it out. So this one is about a college student named Vivian. She's shy, she's self-conscious, and she literally transforms into a new person after hanging out with uh, some popular students. Um, So this is a psychological movie. Wow, psychological horror. And um, (laughs) something I, I love about it, the opening credits, it's kind of like, it sets the tone. You kind of see like these ancient artifacts and they look like sacrificial. And it's like, 
it's it's just like these symbols that you see and it, it could be on someone's body part it could be on the ground there's some carnage it looks like the images are very like claustrophobic claustrophobic like when you just it's just it didn't open up as an MTV movie. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I remember when I watched it, it was on MTV. And that was like a long time ago. And I only saw like bits and pieces. So I tracked it down on DVD. And I, and I bought it. And I just like watched it after all these years. But anyway, really love the carnage that I see, you know, in this, in this <laughs> opening. Like just snippets of it. And um, the leading girl's performance, she also played in Pitch Perfect. Which is, you know, that movie's funny. Oh. Yeah. But... <laughs> Oh, and then another girl that's in it um, named Cassie Steele. She was in Degrassi, The Next Generation. And that was my show in middle school. So it's just cool just to see her in that. But anyway, the point is, the reason why I like this, not because it's a girl from Degrassi. I mean, she was fine. But the leading girl's performance, you actually feel for her because she did, like, such a great job. Like, she was very convincing. She's just lonely. She wants to fit in. She's starting the semester late. She doesn't have any friends. And... Even on top of that, with the cinematography, they did a great job with capturing it because it's snowy. It's, it looks extremely cold, obviously, and it just looks really gloomy. And I feel that you can, like, feel the coldness, you know? I can admit that this movie is definitely not for everyone because when I first went into it, I thought it was just going to be, like, a teeny bopper movie. And it's just like, oh, you dumped me, Trevor. No. Okay? That's, <laughs> that doesn't... I mean, Damn it, Trevor. <laughs> That Trevor. Who invited you, Trevor? <laughs> right? He is out of control. But no, surprisingly, there there wasn't really any of that. It was very, like, low-key. But um, point is, I thought it was going to be very cheesy and stuff, but I feel like they created something very contemporary. I felt like as the plot thickens, um, there's, like, rituals that's happening with regular items. Like, you know, say if you're hanging out with some friends and they give you, it's literally a cup of tea. Okay, and I drank tea. Now I won't accept tea from anyone. Not even you, Megan. So that just kind of just shows how effective, <laughs> you know, just how effective it is. There's like creepy voices. What if voices. it's a Pepsi with a reindeer on it? No, no. See now? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> maybe because there's a reindeer on it. I don't know. <laughs> but fair, no, I, I think that they did a great job. It, it's actually creepy. And the director... um. I'm probably going to butcher her name. I know it. I'm not going to try. Okay. We'll call her Rachel T. Um, she did like a, a, she did a couple of made for TV movies as well as uh, she filmed a couple of um, episodes of like various shows like um, Riverdale. I know also she, filmed, I think that maybe she directed Tank Girl. Like Freddy's Dead? Yes. Yes. That's, that's okay. the one. Talal I'll see. Oh my God. I would have got it right. Look at you me. You would have. Okay. But yeah, I was kind of hoping after like, re, you know, rewatching this, I was kind of hoping that there would be some type of sequel or follow up just because it really, it was just a really compelling, like intense story and not what I thought. Like the whole, like I said, there's like a whole ancient ritual thing going on, but it's like modern times. And you know how sometimes in some horror movies or movies in general, they'll make like the certain characters who are dealing with that kind of stuff they'll be kind of like weird and odd and no these these were just I mean after a while yeah they did start acting weird but you know in the beginning they're not like that at all so yeah I really enjoyed it a lot so that's the first thing well some of my formative years of horror thanks to MTV MTV's fear 
Oh yeah. yeah. Like the original. I'm not gonna lie. Like that was the best. I loved Peter. I, I, I do have a soft spot for my psycho six sweet sixteen or whatever. I love that movie. Yeah. So I don't knock MTV horror. Yeah. That I feel like <laughs> that one has more of a serious tone than than that movie, you know? Okay. Like I, I don't know what it is like we need more like ritual type of horror movies. If there is witchcraft and rituals and satanic arts Zena is sold. Yes, I am. Period. And then uh, the next thing that I watched, uh, and again, this was kind of hard deciding which movies I was going to share with you guys because I really did watch a lot of great things. The mm-hmm. next thing I watched, um, I watched this movie called Morning Grave um, on Midnight Pulp from 2014. And it's a South Korean movie. Uh, a young man in high school has the ability to see and speak to ghosts, even though he doesn't want to. He tries to keep it a secret from other students, you know, because he's getting bullied and stuff like that. But then rumors start. Then he transfers to a new school and then he starts to see a new ghost and she's not gross or anything. And they kind of become friends and he's trying to help her find out what happened to her. Meanwhile, at his new school, like there are students who are disappearing around him. And now he must identify this, like this mysterious masked ghost that's going around <laughs> causing chaos and, um, you know, really hurting other children. Oh, I was going to say other children. I mean, that's their children They're in high school. OK, but hurting other students. Um, but I feel like this one is a very lighthearted movie. And that's something that I felt that I needed this week so far. I know it's like Monday. <laughs> it's been a very tough yeah it's been it's been pretty tough today um and but anyway um i feel like yeah it's very lighthearted, but there's still blood and gore in it it's just that it does take a little bit of time uh for that stuff to like kick in and even though the storyline is not really reinventing the wheel um i love it because i feel like they they kept it simple you know and it's they combine like a little bit of romance with comedy with some paranormal elements and then there's a twist at the end you may be able to guess what the twist is going to be but um it still has a very positive message and i feel like that's something that we all can agree on that you know you love seeing movies like that i mean you of course you love seeing people get their heads chopped off in movies but when it also comes with a positive message i'm also sold so and um, just the last thing, too, the, the main actor in this movie, he's he was in this popular drama called The Heirs. And if you ever want to lose your mind, I mean, lose your mind, you really need to watch any Korean drama. It will suck you in, suck the life out of you. <laughs> so don't do that, though. Make sure you take some breaks. But yeah, that's that's what I watched this, you know, this past week, guys. What about you, Megan? So um, I watched Tales of the Uncanny. Uncanny. It's uh, coming. It's really brand spanking new. So it's currently available on virtual theater. If you go to cinemopolis.org, you can rent it through December 3rd, I believe. But it's coming also to Blu-ray this Friday for Severin's Black Friday sale. Um, it initially was supposed to just be a special feature for Severin's special edition of the Theater Bazaar, which is also releasing um, Black Friday. But it snowballed into something bigger and bigger till it became its own feature documentary. So it is essentially a feature-length documentary on the evolution challenges and uh, 
all-time top five of horror anthologies. It's it's a horror anthology documentary. And oh. because everybody's not doing a whole lot these days because of a pandemic, that allowed them to bring in even more voices than they probably were going to initially. And so there's over 60 uh, horror stalwarts, you know, industry professionals basically breaking down the history of anthologies, what works so well, and then at the end of it, it kind of wraps up with the top five and the uh, top five anthology movies and the top five anthology segments. So mm. it's it's really good. It's very interesting because a lot of the talking heads are clearly, you know, over Zoom and Skype, and so the quality isn't quite necessarily what you normally would think of, but it doesn't really matter because a lot of times you're there for the content and what these mm-hmm. talking heads are saying. And if you are a fan of horror anthologies, if you thought you knew all there was to know about horror anthologies, this documentary will definitely school you. Um, There's a lot of blind spots that I clearly need to catch up on. Um, So, yeah, I basically highly recommend Tales of the Uncanny. Nice. And then I, based on our conversation last week and just wanting something familiar and kind of comforty i watched anna and the apocalypse that is yeah that's available on hulu it was released in 2017 or technically 2018 in the u.s but if you don't know the plot it's basically it's christmas anna is a high school student nearing the end of of her time at school and she's making plans to kind of skip college and travel abroad but a zombie apocalypse takes over, and she's going to have to uh, fight, slash, and sing her way to get to her loved ones this Christmas. Um, it's it's such a good movie. I mean, I I feel like a lot of musicals live and die by the music, and the music in this one is super, super catchy. Um, and then when you think of a high school Christmas musical, you think of something super kind of childish, you know, for a different demographic, but they avoid doing the pitfalls. Like, they pay homage to a lot of the zombie classics, but the way that they approach it feels fresh. And the songs right away let you know that it's going to be something a little bit more mature. You know, this is not a Hollywood ending is one of the early songs, and this movie will not have a Hollywood ending, and it gets it gets a little uh, emotionally rot, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Um, but as much as I love like this this movie and I love the characters and I love the songs and I and I like where it ends up, I also really, really love the backstory for Anna and the Apocalypse. It's equally heart wrenching and, and sweet and poignant. Um it started with a a short called Zombie Musical by Ryan McHenry. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, after this started catching awards um, in 2012, he started developing a feature-length version of, of this movie with uh, help of writer Alan McDonald and producers Nason L.A. Carew. I am butchering the heck out of that. I apologize. And uh, Nicholas Crumb. But then, probably a couple years into that, he got osteocarsoma. Sarcoma, sorry. Osteocarsoma. Sarcoma. I cannot pronounce words they're hard um but unfortunately you know after kind of a couple rounds he died and his you know that kind of cut things short but his collaborator collaborators and and producer friends decided that they wanted to forge on and complete it in his memory Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. 
this is his movie that he didn't live to see, but they made it for him. Um, you can even read in the credits that they're they're paying their tributes to him. So it's like it's one of those movies. It's a feel good yet mature movie from beginning to end on every level, behind the scenes and on screen. And I love it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I watched. Nice. So, this week started out all thanks to Megan. Yay! Like, after her shiny review of Grady Hendrix and my realization that I tend to just fall back on horror movies or horror novels that I've read over and over again and don't look for a lot of new authors like I should, I went out and I, I went out to buy... My Best Friend's Exorcism. Nice. And then when I put it in my cart, or I was about to put it in my cart, you know how Amazon does those, and people who bought this, bought these, and it was a three-pack bundle of Horror Storm, My Best Friend's Exorcism, and um, what's the Southern one? Uh, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. That's it. So I got all three of those. And... I opened I opened up the box. It came on Wednesday, and the first book that that caught my eye was Horror Store. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so Horror Store by Grady Hendrix, super fast yeah. read. It's only like two hundred and thirty pages long, but like a fast two thirty. Like if I didn't have kids, I probably would have finished it in a day. And that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to finish it in a day. It's really well written. It's really well paced. It's a super fun book yeah. because it's ba- so it's. The whole point of the book is it's based in a ripoff Ikea. And, like, they even point that out, like, immediately. They're just ripping off Ikea. <laughs> and weird stuff starts happening. So the floor manager wants to keep some people overnight to find out what's going on, and horror ensues. And it's a, it's just a really great mix of – if you've ever been in an Ikea, mm-hmm. I feel like it registers even better because, like, oh, I get that. <laughs> like, even though – you know, because it'd be so easy for the book to have just said, like, Orsk, which is the name of the... The horror store. The store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could just act like that's Ikea. Like, Ikea doesn't exist in the universe because it's a lot easier for people when they're writing to not have to worry about intellectual property rights and everything else. But like, no, no, this isn't Ikea. We know Ikea exists. It's it's a worse version of <laughs> Ikea. <laughs> it's just a money grab. So, like, it, it kind of roots you in it at the same time, even though you've never been to this place. And the horror is, is like, it just works. Like, it's not overthought. Um, like I said, the pacing's really good. I tore through it. I can't wait to get to the rest of them. So I'm going to go ahead and thank Megan for that one. Yay, That's a great I'm book. so glad. I think you nailed it, though. He does have that really easy read where you just get yeah. in that story and you just zip right on through. And that's Horror Store. It's all one word, H-O-R-R-O-R-S-T-O-R, with umlauts over the O. So it's probably supposed to be Horror Store or something like that. I probably just offended someone listening, and I apologize. Uh, So I'll just move on to what I watched. And what I watched this week is based on, one, me largely being upset with the quality of phone footage movies that I've been watching lately. And two, uh, there's a channel on YouTube called Watch Mojo, and they did their top ten... I can't remember if it was top 10 found footage movies or top 10 found footage movies you haven't heard of. And I'd heard of all of them. But there's only the only one on the list that upset me was they put uh, found footage 3D at number 10. I'm like, mm, oh, that's a, that's a bold choice to put that in a top 10 list for uh, found footage movies. Not because it's bad, but it's just... You anyway. can think of lots that you like but, better. So, I, I get it. 
Yeah, yeah. So I and, and they like the tongue in cheek aspect of like making fun of itself as it da da da. And I'm like, yeah, that for the same reason that that Jason Lives doesn't work for me for a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Like it goes too tongue in cheeky in a series that doesn't need to be tongue in cheeky for mm-hmm. me. Like phone footage 3D doesn't work for me. Um, I can watch for most of it, but I can, again, I can only watch so much abusive behavior. Yeah. Before I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to watch this anymore. Yeah. I <laughs> like it's just too much. There's no reason the he didn't have to I be like, that way. Yeah. Yeah, and it, again, doesn't even have to be like, but not actively dislike. Gotcha. Or hate to the point where I want them to be prosecuted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I made it my mission. I wanted to find three found footage movies, whether I'd seen them before or not. Spoilers, I have seen all three of these, but that I like and that I haven't talked about. There you go. So first and foremost, I just saw this this summer, 2018's Gonjiam Haunted Asylum. I love Which that is on one. Amazon. Oh, it's so good. So based in the real life haunted asylum of Gonjiam in Korea. The horror web series crew of Horror Times travels to an abandoned asylum for a live broadcast in order to garner views and publicity, only discover something more than they were ever prepared for. So I watched this. This was one of those that Amazon popped up. I probably watched a bunch of found footage movies or haunted house movies or something like that. And it popped up and I didn't watch it, didn't watch it because subtitles. And then one day I was on the exercise bike and I'm like, oh, perfect, perfect time. Throw it on. Let's see what happens. It's such a good, simple movie because as much as the concept feels like nothing special mm-hmm. by any means, it's, and I've been trying to think about this. So it's a Korean movie and I don't know anything about Korean culture. I've never been there. I don't know eccentricities. I don't know the, the, the more subtle things that we would see in American culture with deliveries and personalities and things like that. So like the interactions like when people are first meeting in like the the restaurant or whatever could easily come across as being seeming cheesy but i think because of the language barrier and the translation barrier like i don't have any of those problems like i might in an american found footage movie that use the exact same dialogue i might be like what the hell is that right but like, it just kind of works in foreign language movies for me. So, like, I, I got really endeared to just, like, the core group, like, right away. And then, like, it just, like, the scares work. Like, the tension, it's kind of predictable. But, again, it's just all, it's well shot. It's well acted. It's it's not necessarily going to reinvent anything, mm-hmm. but it's going to do it right. And that counts just as much for me. Like, you can retread the tire as long as... You're presenting it really well. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the only thing about it I don't like, and this isn't spoilers by any means because it's like 30 seconds into the movie, is they go by a door and they focus on someone staring at them through one of the locked cell doors. Like you see eyes. Yeah. And like the camera pauses on it and they just blow right past it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what? We. We do it. Like everyone thinks it's haunted. Why didn't somebody freeze frame on that? Like it was just a really weird thing that I feel like must have gotten cut in editing or something like that. I really, <laughs> I really love the fact that they added in that like social media aspect. I know it's you know we've seen it mm-hmm. before, but mm-hmm. we see this all the time. If there's a new challenge, people like hop on it, you know, like right away. So even when, um, oh yeah, yeah, like even when they're like showing when when like the the people 
in the movie, the little team when they meet, yep. you know, it is, it is a little bit like awkward because it's just like, what? you know, I wasn't expecting that, but then it's like, I, I, yeah. I think that that was just supposed to be like a way of easing us in. But I love the fact that the main character or the one who actually owns the channel, his YouTube channel, yep. he's all about his views, his numbers, the engagement. He doesn't really care about anyone. And we've, even though yeah. we've seen that before, we know that it's coming it's just, again, I see this all the time. So I, like, love that aspect, kind of. And it kind of reminded me of um, your favorite movie, John. Yes. <laughs> I don't need to say it. No, you, <laughs> you have to don't say want it. don't me to say it. I don't need to mention Hell House. Okay. Then, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, it, it kind of did, you know, remind me of that. Except, you know, they didn't really seem too much into social media on that one, you know? Yeah, it, it, that's that seems like something that kind of gets lost because they don't, like you said, they don't directly say in Hell House that it's for social media. They're like, oh, it's mostly for us, maybe right. behind the scenes stuff. Like, it's not so explicit as in this. But I also like in this because it beca- it answers that question. Why are they still filming? He's making them. Yeah. Like, he won't stop. Mm-hmm. This is the opportunity. This is the listenership. This is the money. It's like, stuff's happening. Yeah. To the point where he's literally screaming at them to not. It's like, okay, good. That's all I need. That makes mm-hmm. sense. That Like, that's that's provocation. That's, you know, whether the reason is a good one or not, it's a reason. And it, may, it makes perfect sense in the moment. Yeah. Okay. After that, this, this is probably my top three all-time found footage movies. Not necessarily just pure watchability, but, like, the one of the best found footage movies ever made. Hmm. And that goes, I think it goes along with Lake Mungo and Blair Witch for me. And this one's 2015 Savage Land on Amazon. Hadn't heard of this till this summer. A person on Twitter, like, or something recommended it, gave it a shot, and holy crap. Hmm. A massacre on a U.S.-Mexico border town leaves every citizen dead except for an amateur photographer who's accused of committing it, and the pictures he left behind that lay out a bizarre and surreal series of events. So many levels. This is so good. One, it's an original take on this concept, which I'm not going to dig into because honestly I just want people to go on Amazon and watch it. But it's a completely different take on like a survivor of a a situation whether you think this guy's guilty or not it's a totally different twist but like it plays on concepts of of race and uh classism and like there's so many subtle aspects that are going within it they're not necessarily dwelled upon because they're talking about the place like it's called savage land for a reason because it's a racist nickname that the locals have given it and but like the combination of the documentary style and the photography itself that you're presented with and like where it actually leads to, it's such a great take on all of it. Like you don't have to question why you're watching any of it because it's presented as a documentary and the footage that we see from whatever happened, it's just still pictures. Mm-hmm. And it's such a amazing way to pull that in because it's like you're just watching a true crime documentary. Nice. Um, but it's so good. It's a, uh, again, it's a, it's a fast watch. It had me totally hooked. I, I, I wasn't sure how to feel like five minutes into mm-hmm. it because I didn't know what to expect. And then like, as soon as you started talking about the photography, it was like, this is new. What's this? And it was like, oh, by the end, 
so good. It's it deserves so much more. It should be it should be at least number ten instead of found footage three D. <laughs> That's not knocking the creators of it. It's just Horror it's subjective, one part though. of that movie that just gets me. It's all subjective. Mm-hmm. That's not what this podcast. I don't need to talk about what I don't. Want. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then number three. This one this one was actually also uh, on Watch Mojo's list. This was 2012's The Conspiracy, and I had watched this years ago, and I forgot what it was called. And I've been trying to remember it over the years, like what the name of it was, but it was such a vague description. I was just like, ah, we'll figure it out. And you did. Eventually. And I did. Thanks to Watch Mojo. Two documentary filmmakers set out to create a film about a conspiracy theorist named Terrence G, who disappears during the making of the film and are subsequently drawn into the world of a global syndicate whose aims and machinations are clouded in secrecy. So that last sentence makes it sound a lot hokier than it is. <laughs> See, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm not interested in conspiracy theories. I have no interest in delving into conspiracy theories with anyone or hearing any of that stuff because I don't like the whole concept of you can't disprove a conspiracy. Like, people can just make stuff up. You ever try and talk to a flat earther? I have. That was a mistake. <laughs> So it, the gist of it is like, it is, and as much as I don't care for conspiracies, maybe like hear them like, oh, that's an interesting take more than I want to think about the fact that people do like live their lives thinking about these things and connecting the dots and pins with string on a tack board, whatever. This is a really, really easy to watch documentary because especially in this day and age where it seems like everyone thinks everything's a conspiracy anyway it fits that much more. Like it almost makes more sense that it wasn't made eight years ago. Like that it was made now and people are already in the middle of it anyway. And two documentary and filmmakers go out to talk to a conspiracy theorist. Well, of course, why wouldn't you? They're all over the place now. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of get drawn into this rabbit hole of like, well, what if it's true? Um, again, pretty quick watch. I don't even think it's an hour and a half, but you do get drawn in because you start questioning, well, what is going on? And it, Again, it makes sense. It's a whole concept of why are they still filming? Because they're trying to prove this. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't dropping a camera. They're using hidden cameras. They're using their documentary footage. It it does fall apart for, like, one scene at the very end kind of makes it fall apart, unfortunately. A lot like the last broadcast where you get to the end of it and you're like, well, wait, wait a second. I don't understand how I'm seeing this anymore. So there's like one little bit at the end that doesn't make sense. That's purely there for the cinematic effect of what's going on. But like, that's it. The rest of it totally works. Like it, it's, it's eerie and it kind of makes you question things. And it kind of makes you, if you already dislike people who are obsessed with conspiracy theories, it makes you dislike them even more. <laughs> not dislike, just not want to <laughs> talk to like one-on-one. Uh, but it's a great phone footage. I found I watch it on, on XL TV. It's a channel you can get within Prime. You can do like a week long oh, cool. um, subscription. They have like they have like American Mary and 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 a few other movies you might recognize on the channel. But yeah, you can get like a week trial if nothing else. Awesome. So yeah, okay. So before I forget, and we do get questions about this, what we need to figure out. People are like, what were the movies you guys watched? Yeah. <laughs> can you write them down? Yeah. So we'll, we'll go over them again and then figure out something. So I watched The Dorm um, from 2014 on DVD. I'm not too sure if it's streaming anywhere. And then I watched Morning Grave on Midnight Pulp. I watched Tales of the Uncanny, and that's um, on virtual 
theaters right now. So cinemopolis.org is where I rented it. It's available through December 3rd. Or you could just buy it on Blu-ray when Severin drops it as part of their as part of their Black Friday sale this Friday. Oh, and in the Apocalypse, sorry, on Hulu. Um, so I watched 2018's Gonjiam Haunted Asylum on Amazon, 2015's Savage Land on Amazon, all one word, and 2012's The Conspiracy on XLTV, which is a channel you can get on Amazon. And I read Horror Store by Grady Hendrix. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. So enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the horror world. So what's going on, Megan? A lot. And I'm sure this first one (laughs) off the bat you probably have thoughts on because so many fans do. Um, Last Wednesday, Kevin Williamson shared the title treatment on social media and revealed the official title for the fifth Scream is Scream weird choice that's the part that i know that people are very very outspoken about which we'll circle back to but before we circle back to that um along with set photos and a title treatment the franchise writer creator kevin williamson tweeted i'm excited for you to return to woodsboro and get really scared again i believe wes would have been so proud of the film that matt and tyler are making I'm thrilled to be reunited with Nev, Courtney, David, and Marley, and to be working alongside a new filmmaking team and incredible cast of newcomers that have come together to continue Wes's legacy with the upcoming relaunch of the franchise that I hold so dear to my heart. So, I highly recommend, if you haven't already, going to Bloody Disgusting and looking up this piece, because I... Interviewed, I spoke with producer William Shirak and directors Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillette about Scream. And so this mm-hmm. announcement has a lot more information than just the mm-hmm. title's going to be Scream. Um, so the full piece is on Bloody, but I just wanted to, to share a few key takeaways that actually made me feel better because a lot of this whole thing is how do you go about doing a Scream 5 without Wes and every step of the way it's like oh well if Nev Campbell a fierce advocator of Wes's legacy like a fierce protector if she's involved okay then she's right. given her seal of approval well 
Shirek said, the first thing we did when uh, Spy Ga- Spyglass Media Group co-chair and CEO Gary Barber relaunched the franchise was go out to get Kevin and bring him into the process. It's not about a once-over. His approval means everything. Let's be clear. He's the reason we're all here. Making sure that what we're doing is we're doing it right for Wes and for the fans, that he's been the true North and made sure that we've stayed on course. There was no heavy lifting done after the script we developed. When he was pitched the original idea, he gave us his thoughts on the pitch, and that's what we then went and did. So everyone had been pointing in that direction from the beginning. When Radio Silence read the script, they agreed with that version of the movie. In other words, Kevin has been heavily involved from the very beginning and throughout this entire process of Scream Mm -hmm. 5. If you can't have Wes, unfortunately, which we can't, he's he's it. You know, he wrote this series the yeah. well the first movie you know so having him involved is more reassurance to this puzzle um so and the directors when i spoke to them they also heavily credited kevin and wes for their filmmaking style that they would never have made ready or not had it not been for scream and how formative that was for them but more uh expanded upon on that point they're extremely extremely deep studies of the franchise and that's very clear because they said one of the things that west did that we have implemented and learned from well is that he made a real point of making sure within every scene that there's always a misdirect there's always a red herring even if it's subtle or subconscious almost you think about the shoes that the sheriff is wearing in the first movie or the looks Henry Winkler's character gave the principal in the principal's office. All those little moments just to keep the audience on their toes is something we're really trying to do in this one to make it a true whodunit. So everything, like, it seems like every single step of the way, they're definitely trying to preserve, you know, Wes's legacy and, and the, the franchise's legacy. Now, circling back to the title... Yeah, it's following a trend. You know, Halloween 2018 is Halloween. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I feel like there's another one. Oh, I think the upcoming, yeah, I think the upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre so far is... Friday the 13th. Yeah, so Friday the 13th. I mean... Except this is a, except this is a continuation instead of a reboot. Well, so, so was Halloween is... 2018, so... Oh, it, well, oh yeah, but... Uh, it, it's but a it's continuation like a, of it's part kind one, of a so it's still a sequel. That's... That's true. That's a good kinda, point. So it's actually a sequel named the exact same thing as the original. <laughs> I kind of feel like they they also went with that title because I know a lot of people was really banking on them using like the five for as the S and stuff. Um, no, because that would have been weird. It would have been five cream, and I would have yeah, hated it. <laughs> <laughs> five, five cream is not a movie anybody should Google. No, that one, by the way. No, no, but you know, I, I just saw some people complaining, uh, claim, you know, complaining about that, but. I kind of like that the fact that they just went with Scream, you know. I mean, it's it's yeah. It's hard to talk about or write about as as a horror journalist, but Mm -hmm. in the same breath, like I feel like horror fans develop a shorthand for for the movies that they like and they like to talk about. You know, you called it Jason Lives earlier instead of Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Jason Lives. I feel like we're still gonna call it Scream Scream Five in conversations. Oh, they should have called it Scream, but with the five right next to the M, so it looks like Screams. We, See, we should have I just should called have it Ice Cream, You Scream, We All Scream for Five Cream. <laughs> scream back to... And we have a new show. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
I I get I get it, but I I'm just really happy to be revisiting Woodsboro again with right. with the people that matter, you know, to this series. And and I really really love Ready or Not so freaking much. So mm-hmm. I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm, it's great that they're fans of the series and they've been studying it and everything else. But honestly, if you wanted to have one director do a scream movie who had no background in scream. Yeah. Why would it not be a ready or not? Yeah, it was like they were born for this. They're perfect for it. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's there's other quotes, but if you are feeling woozy, I think we're we're in the best possible hands we could be. Um, And next but not least, I guess none of them are least. We love horror. Uh, (laughs) Robert England joins the cast of Stranger Things season four, so he Mm -hmm. is going to play the recurring role of Victor Creel, a disturbed and intimidating man who is imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder he did in the 1950s. We don't know a whole lot, obviously, about season four yet. Um, We know Hopper is still alive. We know he's in prison far from home in Russia, and he's going to face you know, dangers, human and other. Uh, back in the States, a new horror is beginning to surface. Something long buried, something that connects everything. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I, I like Stranger Things. Um, but I'm more happy to see an icon that, you know, as we get older, they also get older and we right. don't see them as often. And I always think of this quote that Christopher Walken had said. And um, I think it's an Abel Ferreira documentary. But it's this infamous quote where he's like, actors don't retire. They get retired. The phone stops ringing. Mm. And I just, like, it hit me. It's like a sucker punch because I love Christopher Walken. Somebody pick up the phone and call him. You keep calling Robert England, people. Like, thank you, Stranger Things. I've noticed that. I've noticed a lot of movies coming out lately that seem a lot lower budget. And, like, it would be, like, Lance Hendrickson and Tony Todd. And it'd be like, wait, what what are you guys doing in those? And I was even talking about my wife with this because we've been really into Shit's Creek lately. I love Shit's Creek so much. A brilliant show. Oh God! If you ever need like a reset or something yes. from too much horror, if there's such a thing, Shit's Creek is the best. But we were talking about that, like Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy really getting the limelight again, like after having just these insanely foundational careers in comedy and improv comedy. And like, I grew up watching Catherine O'Hara, especially with like Home Alone and Beetlejuice yeah. and and Eugene Levy's like with SUTV and like anything from. Like, this is Spinal Tap and on. Uh, he, they've been so influential, so it's so awesome to see them get that opportunity mm-hmm. to, like, not only reinvent themselves, but remind people, hey, remember us? It, We're amazing. In that same note, there was a headline last week, I believe, about people being shocked to discover that Catherine O'Hara is the mom at home alone. And this is precisely yeah, why the title Scream yeah. works because there is an audience yeah. that, that doesn't have any familiarity and that's going to sell more seats than Scream 5. I wonder if the the brothers who um who's behind uh, Stranger Things, if they're the also Levy? a fan of... What's that? The Levy brothers? Oh, Duffer. Duffer brothers. Duffer brothers. Yeah, I, I just wonder if they're a fan. I'm pretty sure they're a fan of Robert England. So the fact that... Oh, absolutely. Have him, you know, and, and, and they're... Uh, their series they, they absolutely the chance that it's it's an entire like 80s love letter so mm-hmm. you can bet that that's included uh moving on uh it was announced earlier this year that naughty dogs hit zombie game the last of us was in the works for a potential series for hbo that's definitely been given to order so that's officially happening uh Game creator, writer Neil Druckmann is on board to co-write and produce, and he's going to do that along with Chernobyl's Craig Mazin. 
to develop. So the plot is uh, for the series takes place 20 years after modern civilization has been destroyed. Joel, a hardened survivor, is hired to smuggle Ellie, a 14-year-old girl, out of an oppressive quarantine zone. What starts as a small job soon becomes a brutal, heartbreaking journey as they both must traverse across the U.S. and depend on each other for survival. So I started the game, but I haven't made it that far. I Clearly this news means I need to get my button gear. Um, and I don't know if you've seen Chernobyl, but what I do mm-hmm. know of the game is that there could be no better person for this than than Craig Mazin, because Chernobyl is pure horror and dread. Even though it's not billed as a horror, it's it's terrifying and depressing and bleak. So, yeah, I don't know if you have any attachment to the game. And acted. <laughs> and um, next... 10 Cloverfield Lane director is to helm a new Predator movie for 20th Century Fox. So this is a very interesting twisty-turny story. Uh, On Friday, Deadline reported that Dan Trachtenberg, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane, he's been hired to direct the new movie, which reportedly will not be connected to Shane Black's The Predator. Deadline noted that they are keeping the plot line under wraps for the moment, but I'm told it won't swing back to the developments in the most recent films. It's uh, and Patrick Eisen is writing the strip script. So basically, they announced Friday it's happening. Here's your director. Here's your writer. It's not connected to the Predator in 2018. So hmm. what, where it gets more interesting and twisty is that three days later, Trachtenberg took to Twitter to say this was meant to be a surprise. Been working on this for almost four years now. I am very sad that what we had in store for you. Uh, for how you could discover this movie will no longer happen. It's a mubber. It's a bummer. But also, yay! But it's not over. Sounds like they were going to do an ARG for it or something. Well, I think they were going to surprise release it because you do some sleuthing, and in December of last year, it was announced that Trachtenberg would be directing a movie for 20th Century Fox with Patrick Eisen called Skulls. And the plot was said to follow a Comanche woman who goes against gender norms and traditions to become a warrior. Everything about that lines up with this announcement. Same director, same studio, same Mm. writer. And then Skulls, if you looked at the announcement, um, producer John Davis was attached. He produced The Predator. So it sounds like huh. Skulls was Predator 5 all along, and somebody spilled the beans a little early. Oh, no. I they were going to do like a Cloverfield Paradox. Or, or you know, even like Blair Witch was in initially the woods up until a few weeks ahead of time. So I feel like yeah. they were working on this to be a surprise. You think you're getting Skulls. But on the other hand, I, I'm okay with the female hero kicking some Predator butt. Of course. For sure. So, yeah, and we're not done yet. This has been a, clearly a busy week and weekend for horror. So, uh, it was announced over the weekend that an untitled new monster movie is in the works for Universal. It's being referred to as Untitled Monster Project at the moment. The film is described as a modern-day tongue-in-cheek thriller inspired by Universal's classic monster legacy. The duo behind the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, are developing with Channing Tatum set to star. So although the plot details are being kept under wraps about which beloved character it's supposed to focus on, it's said to be a bold genre reinvention on one of the studio's most beloved characters from the monster universe. So, I don't know about you guys. I'm not sure what character it could be. I mean, because to keep track, we have Lee Wanell did... 
the Invisible Man mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. It was announced in the, over the summer that he's going to be directing the Wolfman reboot with Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. Karen Kusama is directing a new Dracula. So you're kind of like... Li- I hope Channing Tatum doesn't play Frankenstein. That's what I was thinking. Is it See, my gut reaction, when you have the Lego movie... The prettiest Frankenstein ever. Will he dance? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like it's, Oh, perfect. Young Frankenstein. Just do it. So, like him and, and Gene Wilder, like they can do some sort of a great split screen. But is that perfect, really like a universal classic monster legacy movie? See, my thought when, when you have the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street people, which clearly doesn't scream horror, that screams comedy, I, my gut yeah. went straight to Abbott and Costello meet the monsters. I was just, I was just wondering if you went, that would be a really weird choice. But yeah, it would work. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Or would it be like the Hunchback? No. I mean, or, you know, my other reaction was, why hasn't anybody attempted the Metaluna mutant? Mm-hmm. Isn't Creature from the Black Lagoon a universal? It is, but yeah. I can't really see. Oh, that would be, it would be like Jumanji style. Okay. with Well, no, it's aquatic horror. They can go wherever they want. Yeah. I don't know. It could be we'll sea. see. We'll see. It's clearly. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay no, I was going <laughs> to say something else about dancing. But never mind. All right, listeners. You excited for Scream, be it Scream 1 or Scream 5? Want some form of The Last of Us in all versions of media? Well, let's hear about it. Number is 224-475-1040. The number's in the show notes, too. Please limit yourself to one question per call. And while we love hearing for everyone, it's also a lot easier to respond to questions rather than comments for when you call in. Finally, as Xena has finished off her can of Coke and we are running out of time. <laughs> We are going to get a really quick rundown of all the things that we should be watching on our streaming services coming up in the next week. Zena, what's going well, on? Well, it's a very short week, kind of, uh, with what's available or what's coming out this week. So everything will just be for Tuesday, the 24th. Woo-hoo. Uh The first Perfect. one, Girl. I love that word. Girl will be available on VOD in select <laughs> theaters. A young woman returns to her small hometown intent on killing her abusive father, only to discover someone murdered him the day before. As the girl searches for the answers, she uncovers a family legacy more dangerous than she'd imagine. I know that Bella Thorne is in this, and I didn't watch the previews or, or the trailer for it, so I'm not too sure how I feel about it. I mean, I figured I'll just check it out, you know. Next one, December will be available on DVD, I believe, and perhaps VOD, I think. Um, so this is a collection of 24 films that take a look at the dark side of the festive season. Ooh, holiday season and then this next movie be careful when you are googling it you don't want to end up oh. like me in front of yeah. your father-in-law and you oh, google no. this movie <laughs> he'll never look at me the same porno will be available on dvd when five mangled teens... dick that's what you get <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy it's the amount of stuff that pops up that fast <laughs> And it follows you. Don't say Alexis, play porno. <laughs> so when teens employed at the local theater in a small Christian town discover a mysterious old film f- hidden in the basement, they unleash a succubus who gives them sex education written in blood. <laughs> and then last, Train to Busan presents Peninsula. It will be available on DVD. A soldier and his team battle hordes of zombies in the wastelands of the Korean Peninsula. And also, last but not least, almost forgot, 
Mm-hmm. Bloody Disgusting TV is still available for you guys, just in case if you're just like, you know, none of those movies tickle my fancy, Xena, or no, I already seen it. Okay, well then, Bloody Disgusting TV. Let them take the wheel. Yes. Take the tra- Stop having to make choices. <laughs> <laughs> just sit back and relax. And that's the Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg and evidently get all the inside information to, to Predator and Scream and everything else. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nyx.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.